0: the oklahoma city thunder are a legit playoff team we'll talk about why the thunder being the eighth seed right now is no fluke coming up on today's locked on thunder podcast you are locked on thunder your daily oklahoma city thunder podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. I am your host, Ryland Stiles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Stiles. Follow the show on Twitter at Lothunderpod. Email the show, Lothunderpod at gmail.com. I'm your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com. And this is Locked On Thunder, your team every day. Subscribe across all podcasting platforms, including on YouTube, because on today's show, Brought to you by Ultimate GM. We're going to tell you why the Thunder are legitimately in the mix for the playoffs. This is no fluke. This is no fluke. The Thunder should be going to the playoffs by the end of the season. That's right, folks. This show is brought to you by Ultimate GM. Ever dreamed of becoming an NBA GM and managing your basketball franchise? Then this game is definitely for you. To download the game, just visit ultimatebasketballgm.com or look it up on the App Store. Our listeners get 100% free boost to their franchise when you use the code LOCKEDON, all caps, in the game. The Thunder are legit, folks. Since 2023, the Thunder are third in net rating. Overall this season, the Thunder are 34 and 35. If the season ended today, the Thunder would control the eighth seed in the NBA. They would have made the playoffs under the old format. Right now, they go to the play-in game. The Thunder are only two games back of the fifth seed because fifth and sixth are tied. So, two games back of the fifth slash sixth seed. The Thunder are a full game up on the play in tournament. They are six, six games back of the fifth worst record and three games back of the sixth worst record in the NBA. The Thunder already control tiebreakers over the Clippers, Portland, uh, Dallas and a chance for a tiebreaker over the Lakers, a chance for a tiebreaker over the Jazz, and a chance to split uh, the season series with Golden State. The Thunder could also be a 500 team in Toronto on Thursday, which would be an emotional game and a game where you would expect SGA to play absolutely incredible. Then they have an emotional Sunday afternoon game in the Paycom Center against the Suns, where it'll it'll be the Thunder taking on Chris Paul, taking on Baisley, and the first time that we've seen SGA play those guys. And and, and I don't throw Baisley in there as a a joke about the podcast. Like, these guys actually were really close with Baisley, and it it, it does matter to them to play Baisley and to play Chris Paul. But the Thunder have won six of their last seven games, including three straight wins, and that loss was the second night of a back-to-back where they traveled to Phoenix and played the Suns and got just trounced by the Suns, but the Suns are a very good team. SGA just recorded his 38 30-point game this season. Josh Giddey just recorded his fourth triple-double this season. And the Thunder just beat a Nets team with the defenders to limit SGA, with the relentless bodies to try to limit your best player. And it worked in the first half. The starting line for the for the Nets, you could not draw up a better starting group to try to negate what SGA does. Spencer Dinwiddie, and then it's Mike Bridges, Cam Johnson, Dorian Finney-Smith, And Nick Claxton. Like, that is a mold. That is a team that should be able to eliminate SGA. But what does SGA do? Oh, you know, 35 points on 50% shooting. We'll get to him coming up. And in this game, four lead changes, three ties. OKC got down 16 points in the first half. And do not let that third quarter Dort shooting barrage to to cloud your judgment, the Thunder did not just shoot overwhelmingly good. They shot 45% from the floor. They shot 33% from deep. Isaiah Joe did not shoot well from beyond the arc either. 87% from free throw. The Nets shot 42, 29, and 73%. The Thunder won points in the paint. They won second chance points. They won fast break points, and they won rebounding. The Thunder forced 17 turnovers, only gave the ball away nine times. The Thunder withstands some great runs by the Nets, including a 25, a 20-5 to 5 run by the Nets. Look, next year is going to be great for the Thunder. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. But it's time to talk about this year's team. Like This year's team is a legit postseason caliber team. We just laid it out for you. Not only is everything still in front of OKC, but of those names that we just listed, if you truly do the, the, the Sam Presti line, which sounded so hokey and sounded so corny at the time, but if you truly do burn your assumptions on what this season was going to be, you forget about what you thought you knew about the NBA back in October, and you just look at the data points that we have for this season at this point in the year, you tell me whose resume is better than Oklahoma City's. You tell me who, what team you trust more than Oklahoma City to hold on to one of these top 10 spots. I'd love to hear it again, if it's just based on this season and it's just based on the data points that we have since October 19th and not based upon our preconceived notion of players or teams or franchises or whatever, there is not 10 better teams than OKC in the Western Conference. And I thought it was telling that before the game, Mark made a point to make it clear that even though this team still talks about development... Do not conflate development with not caring about winning because he said before the game games like tonight that have weight to them that matter in the standings, games that 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 have this much weight to them and that guys care about that is part of development. That is part of how you get better. That is part of how you grow as a franchise, as a player, as a team as an everything. as a coach like the thunder want to get there. Now, if they don't get there, it doesn't make or break the franchise. It doesn't make or break this core. doesn't make or break anything. But they want to get there. But they want to get there. And it's good for development if they do get there. They start the third quarter down by 10 points. They end the third quarter up by 8. And every night, somebody steps up. Most nights, somebody steps up. You have SGA who can be an electric scorer, can get you 30 points in his sleep, and then off of SGA, it'll be Jw to score 25 points. It'll be a Josh Giddy triple-double. It'll be a 5-3 point third quarter from Lou Dort. It'll be Isaiah Joe, who goes 6-for-11 from three. Like, somebody supplements what SGA does. Somebody gets an energetic change momentum play. Somebody is able to fill in the gaps. And the Thunder are a game away from 500. So if you truly do look at Sam Presti's vision, look at Sam Presti's save your prediction, bring your assumption stuff, which again, at the time, sounded you know like a great line, but like nothing nothing tangible. But if you take it in a tangible way, I would ask again, who is it? that you think will succeed OKC and supplant them as a postseason team. Especially now with the clarification, if you needed it, that the Thunder do view this as a part of development, of, of making the play and making the playoffs, make whatever you want to call it, as a part of development, or at least playing tangible games of, of, of consequence down the stretch of a season as part of development. There are so many reasons to be excited about the future of this Thunder team, and the future is now. It's now. The future is both now, as in Thursday, when they could get to 500, but also you still have something to look forward to of next season, whenever Chet is back and whenever uh, this roster is, is whatever fleshed out it is, and and by fleshed out it could just mean, hey, a year of development, an off-season development for these guys. Which, you know, the rookies, of course, we don't know this for sure, but like we've seen SGA every single summer take a new leap in something. This year it was defense, you know, what if next year it's three point shooting? Who knows? We've seen Josh Giddy get better rookie year to sophomore year. We know the work ethic of the Jalen Williamses. We know, you know, how Usman Jang can can progress in a lot of ways this summer. Like there's exciting times ahead, but there's also exciting times right now. And I love the fact that the Thunder use the hack a Claxton in this game just to try to negate him or try to try to get him off the court of, hey, we understand there's a big size discrepancy, but if we can hack a Claxton, maybe, uh, then we uh, we can go back to playing our style of basketball, which included Usman Jang playing the center at points in this game. But this game showed you how legit OKC is. Because this is the second youngest team in NBA history, the youngest team in basketball right now, only ahead of last year's Thunder team in terms of like age, and, and and that's why they're not the the youngest team in NBA history. They just came off of two very impressive weekend wins, which we described on yesterday's podcast. They're playing a team that should be set up to, to handle them defensively and to limit their offense. They got punched in the mouth but not knocked out. They got off the rope, and they got a win. And you're heading into a a massively important game Thursday, both emotionally and for the standings and for your record. And to this point, we've seen what these guys are made of in big moments like that. We've seen what these guys can do against the defending champions at home whenever you need the win. We've seen what these guys can do with their backs against the wall. You don't think that these guys are going to be hyped up for Thursday and and, and wanting to go win one for Shea in Toronto? They absolutely are going to want to go out there and play their best. And when the lights get the brightest, when they're on national television and facing LeBron to go try to break the NBA scoring record, they rise up to the occasion as a young group. That's been their MO. That's been a tangible progression point of this young core. They're a core that can handle the bright lights. And Thursday, for this team only, it's a bright light type of game. Because there's going to be so much emotion to wanting to win it for Shea in Toronto, wanting to win it for Lou Dorton in Canada, wanting to win it, you know, for getting to 500. All these reasons that keep stacking upon each other of why they want to win that game Thursday, they're not going to let that consume them in a negative way. It's going to propel them, I think, in a positive way on Thursday. But this team is legit. And if the season ended today, they'd be the eighth seed. So with 15 games left or 13 games left or whatever many games left there are in the season, it's time to stop treating this like a fun little story and treat this the way it is. The Thunder should be in the playoffs. We'll talk about SGA. We'll talk about Josh Giddey's triple double. We'll talk the Jalen Williamses coming up. But first, I want to say right now, my good friends over at the Ultimate Pro Basketball GM, I am really geeked out about our new partner and sponsor today, which is the Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. Game. If you've ever dreamed of being an NBA GM and managing your basketball franchise, your dream can come true with this game. It is definitely for you. You manage every strategical aspect of your team. You play through the season and lead your team to glory. You're responsible for hiring the right coaches and assistants, for trading and training players, making draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency in the draft, the ups and downs of a season. All of this in a challenging, realistic game world. It's the ultimate pro basketball GM It is completely free and playable offline Or you can play on the go. You can uh, do what you want and as you want, when you want. So go there right now. We all love it. Folks It's a peak behind the curtain. We have a league for the lockdown host, and we are all playing and competing for who can win the most championships uh, with with a nice little prize, I might add, for for whoever can win the most championships uh, in a certain amount of time. So I, it's addicting for all of us. I can tell you, young, old, host, everyone in between, gamers, non gamers, whatever it is, we've all gotten addicted to this game. You will too if you check it out today. So check it out because Locked On Thunder listeners get a hundred percent free boost up to their franchise when you use the code Locked On in the game store. So make sure you check it out today. That is Locked On, all caps. Go there right now. Download the Pro Basketball GM. Uh, game by going to probasketballgm.com. That's probasketballgm.com, and make sure you check it out today. That's Ultimate Basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, a Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. We're talking SGA. He is special, folks. Thirty-five points, seven rebounds, four assists, one steal, ten for twelve from the line one for one from three, 50% from the floor. He played 36 minutes today and just gutted this game out, just gutted through it. Like he he looked as though he was in pain. He's obviously dealing with that uh, you know, the, the abdominal strain, which is not going away. And with that pain, the Nets were able to play very physical with SGA. Like, like the bottom line is, the whistles were not going for OKC in the first half and the the Nets got to be aggressive and the Nets got to use their length and their size at the rim Uh, and still, it did not take SGA out of his game. Like the fact that he shot 50% from the floor and has been doing this for such a large sample size because remember, this stretch goes back to the last 13 games of last year. Like this is sustainable. This is repeatable. SGA is just an unbelievable efficient score and that's never going to change. You know, in, in terms of his prime, like he's, he's as, his, as his prime, he's going to be an efficient score and able to get his buckets and able to get to his spots and able to score to high clip while also doing it efficiently. Because if this Nets team could not give him absolute fits, and that was a good Nets team defensively, that was a Nets team that was locked in, that was a Nets team that wanted to win, that was a Nets team that was playing very well coming into this game, if this Nets team could not give him fits, I continue to struggle the The team that can do it night in and night out. Because to this point, we've seen Andrew Wiggins defend Shea really well. We've seen Memphis, when fully healthy, of having Steven and Brandon Clark and Tillman and all these guys that they can throw at you uh, with their length down low, give SGA trouble. We've seen the Miami zone defense give SGA trouble. And the Miami zone defense is, is is extremely hard to to duplicate because it's not just a zone defense, it's the fact that they played the zone defense in such a disciplined way, in such a such a way where there's no lapses. Because if, if you don't typically run zone and then just try it out, SGA can pick it apart. But it's the it's the crispness of the way that the Heat run the zone uh that was able to give him some trouble in terms of turnovers uh in the two games that they played him this year. The other games where he's been given trouble, besides Andrew Wiggins, it's teams that are built upon length and built upon size, and that's hard to just change your entire franchise for defending one guy. But the Nets are a franchise that has that formula. They have some incredible perimeter defenders, some incredible and incredibly lengthy guys like Bridges, like Johnson, like Dorian Finney-Smith, who's one of the one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA, and the Claxton down low uh, to protect the rim. And SGA went for 35 points on 50% shooting. And he did eventually get to the line 12 times. But like you know if you watch the game, he was not getting those calls early on. And it didn't throw off his rhythm. It didn't force him to panic. It didn't force him to change his game. He just continued to chip away. And the bottom line is, this is a star-driven league. And if you continue to chip away, things will eventually go your way because you're a star. And SGA has that quality. SGA has that it factor. And it's just fun to watch night in and night out. Let's talk Josh Giddy. A triple-double for him. 15 points, 10 assists, 13 rebounds, 2 steals. He shot 36% from the floor. But I say that to, to highlight all the great things that he did while while not shooting efficiently, while not shooting great. He continued to, as I mentioned with Shea, chip away and just, just get lost in the game and not lost in. Ah, I've missed two straight shots. I should really calm down here. And turnovers have been a big highlight for him. Of like fans have really hammered in how many how many turnovers he has a game. He had one turnover in this game, and it was a and it was a turnover that I do not consider a turnover in the sense of as a ball handler. Like he he was he went for a rebound. He fought for a rebound and lost the and lost the fight against three nets. Like they poked it away from him. That's not a turnover in the sense of a playmaker. So as a playmaker, he had zero turnovers and ten assists. He had 13 rebounds, two steals and 15 points. He was incredibly elated after he made that three, which felt like the dagger obviously it was the dagger. Uh, you know, he, he had a huge scream and, that is a three that we'll, we'll never know this, right? This is going to be playing the results of like, if it does or doesn't happen, but that is the type of three and the type of emotion off of that three that can catapult a five great game stretch or 10 stretch, you know, 10, a stretch of 10 straight great games. Like, like something about that emotionally, emotionally, felt like a, a tipping point for Josh. And again, I'll fully admit, this will be playing the results of like, if it does happen, we'll refer back to this moment, we'll refer back to this podcast. If it doesn't happen, we'll forget about it and move on and just and never talk about it again. So I'll, I'll admit that on the entirely front end. But this that could be a play that we look back on. Uh, and so monitor that moving forward. I think that each and every game, and of course season to season, but like more more what is it, macroly or microly, whatever it is. I failed every math class I've ever taken. You know, more so in the weeds. He has gotten better game to game at ball handling. And, And he put on a pretty move to get to the rim in this one using his handles to get to the rack. And like that is something that I think can continue to get better game to game, but also take a whole summer to get really, really good at. Because you see in this game, when he is attacking hard downhill, that creates so much for him. Not only as a big body player to get an and one or a big body player to finish at the rim, but as a passer because he's so elite at passing. If he's attacking you relentlessly downhill, that opens up spray outs to, to wide open three point shooters. That opens out d- dump offs to a team that is just cutting nonstop and is always going to have somebody following the ball. Like it creates so much as a scorer and as a passer, that it can really revolutionize the way the Thunder play basketball offensively if he continues to get better at ball handling and continues to get better at going downhill in an aggressive style. He had the give-and-go slam on the second position of the game that sparked the timeout by the Nets. He had the rebound over three Nets. was just crazy. It was absolutely crazy. Because again, this is a big Nets team. The spinning layup has become just a staple of Josh Giddey's game. He got the footer to go in this one. And just the energy that he provided. We talked about the the, the loud scream after the three, but also he had a massive, just incredible fist pump. I'm not sure if it got on television or not, uh, but a massive fist pump after SGA's and one in the mid-range where they took it off because they called it on the floor. But still, like he was providing that spark, providing that energy. Like there was a time where the ball got deflected out of bounds and it was Thunderball and he starts clapping it up and, and starts kind of getting guys hyped. And like that is just leadership qualities that is great to see from a 20-year-old finding his voice as a as a high-level communicator, as a high-level kind of leader on the Thunder roster. Let's talk Jalen Williams's let's talk Lou Dort all coming up. But first, I want to tell you right now, Head on over to Fandle.com slash lockdown, folks, because it is incredible. It's America's number one sports book. It's a no-sweat first bet, up to a thousand dollars. If you are a brand new customer, that's bonus bets back in your if your first bet does not win. Just download the Fandle Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you bet on everything from the money line to the point spread to three-pointers drain to the highest score. You can do all of that. Plus, Fandle even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So do not miss a chance to get your no sweats first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduelcom slash locked on. To learn more, make every moment more at fanduel.com. And let's go there right now because, folks, it is March Madness season. Let's talk March Madness and the West Virginia Mountaineers our two-and-a-half-point favorites against Maryland. I'm taking the Terps, plus two-and-a-half. You can go over there and bet on fanduel.com slash locked on. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms so you never miss an episode, including on YouTube. Let's talk Jada. And one baseline dunk, and, and that was one of the first plays that the building got into the game. One of the first places started to trend the momentum toward the Thunder after that 20-5 to run by the Nets. Another example we talked about yesterday, the, the absolute calmness for a rookie. At the end of the half, buzzer going down, you know, and to get that buzzer beating put back to put the Thunder down just 10, heading into the third quarter, heading into their best frame. Like, there's just something psychologically and mentally about being down, okay, down 10, it is what it is. This is our best quarter coming up versus even 12. Like, there's something about it. And, and to have that poison composure to understand how much time's on the clock, how much time you have to get get the put back off, and also not giving up on the play. Like, I think it was Josh, like, that, the initial shot. Josh goes to the rack uh, relentlessly. The time's ticking off. He's got to make something happen in transition and throws up a layup. Most guys will just stand around and watch and hope that that shot goes in. J Dub was trailing that play the entire way, never gave up, never, never assumed that the ball would not ricochet back to him with time on the clock. He he went and did his job all the way through the final buzzer, and it resulted in two free points. And had this game been decided by two points, that's a big swing, and it still was a big swing to get you down by ten. At a nice, a nice, more uh, obtainable number. Heading into the half and just giving you some life heading into the half uh, to come out in the third quarter, come out on fire and eventually swing that from down ten to up eight by the end of the third quarter. I mention it all the time because I think it's worth mentioning. Jalen Williams does literally everything, and as a as a rookie who comes in, he's a lottery pick, multimillionaire. Uh, he's a guy that has been on an absolute heater scoring the basketball. He doesn't have to go and scrap down low for rebounds and and fight tooth and nail for an extra possession and fight tooth and nail for a putback through traffic and getting hacked. Like, he doesn't have to do that. He can be the prima donna lottery pick. That's not his game. Like he still does everything from the flashy stuff like a skyhook to scrapping for a rebound to playing hard-nosed defense to getting a steal and a slam and an and one to shooting a three. Like he does everything. Like there, there's not a single thing that j does not do. And it's awesome to watch. 23 points, 10 rebounds, three assists, two steals, six for six from the line, one for two from three, six for 10 overall shooting. He's learning how to use his body and link so well to figure out not only how to score, but how to effectively score in the sense of not just like shooting percentage, but like how do I get from point A to point B while limiting the defense's ability to contest my shot while also figuring out Uh, how to put the ball in the basket. Like he's able to calculate all this stuff in real time as a rookie. Like he's able to shield out the defender. He talked about how he understood on that sky hook, like, Hey, Claxton jump late. I'm going to need to kind of adjust how I'm going to shoot this ball into the hoop. And and it goes in like he's able to figure those things out. Thanks to his gift of, of length, lengthy arms and and gift of athleticism. Uh, And he's also finding out in maturing of like how to use, all those things effectively, and it's not just Oklahoma City people anymore, and it's not just the national media going, ah, you know, he could be, he could be a nice little player, like JJ Redick, who's become an authority on basketball over the last twelve months, tweeted out today that that J Dub is a potential star, a potential star. Now remember, we've been hearing since training camp, like Kenny Williams said that J Dub was a potential all-star, and now JJ Redick, national media, one of the most popular. National members out there right now talking about basketball, and a former player called J Dub a star. Like it's catching on. Like it is is a movement that is alive and well and is catching on, not just locally. Gotta give Lou Dort his flowers. I mean, what a third quarter it was for Lou Dort. And this is what I'm talking about whenever I say everybody finds a way to step up. Lou Dort has been in quite the cold streak, quite the slump. There's been quite the takes about Lou Dort. And I've talked about him. I've talked about how, you know, his, his role, what his role is best moving forward, what, what kind of we can see from him next year and, and why he's struggling and why he, why he will will or won't break out of this. You can go back and listen to all those podcasts. In, the, in this third quarter, he hits like three straight threes, makes it a one-point game. Then it's a three in transition. Heat check. Hits the fifth, you know, third quarter three. He had five of them in the quarter. Five third quarter threes. And it gives OKC the lead. He finishes this game with 24 points. Nine rebounds, an assist, a steal, 6 for 11 from three. 56% from the floor. That huge three-point onslaught allowed the Thunder to win this game. Shot 43%, is shooting 43% this year on corner threes. And one other area real quick, besides just turning the game in the third quarter, he continues to look much improved in rim decision-making in the sense of passing. Like, he's still out there in finishing, and I'm in... I am, understand, I am compassionate towards the fans who do not want to hear that he can get better at rim finishing because he has not to this point. He's not even gotten better in the slightest bit in terms of rim finishing. But I do want to see an offseason from him fully healthy. Because remember last offseason he had this shoulder injury, shoulder injury. But in terms of rim decision-making and passing out of, of, of rim looks, he has gotten better in a big way at that. And decision-making whenever he's driving toward the basket, he's gotten a lot better at that in terms of passing out of those situations. But... He turned the game in the third quarter with those threes. He absolutely turned the game on its head and got the Thunder this win. And when you have a superstar playing the way that SGA is, when you have consistently good play from J-Dub, when you have what Josh Giddy can provide you, and then you just have somebody step up and do something um, each and every night that is eye-popping, that is how it all totals and adds upon itself to a win. Because guys are always stepping up. Uh, Jay Whale and Usman Jang also played good basketball. Like, Jay Will, seven points, seven rebounds, two assists, two steals, some great passes, and, and some that didn't lead to an assist. Like, he had a fantastic whip pass to Usman Jang, created a wide-open three for Usman Jang. And I'm just, I just don't think that Usman was ready for it because he caught it, hesitated, shuffled his feet, traveled, and it was kind of a, a, an empty possession at that point. But had he just caught it in rhythm and shot the ball, he'd be wide open from three. Uh, one for two from three, and he started the game with a three, and the crowd just started screaming "boom" after he hit the three. Like I hope that that really catches on with the crowd. Like the crowd needs to embrace the boom whenever Jay will hits a three, uh, and then took another charge on this one. I was really doing the dirty work, and I talked to Nazzie on my yesterday's podcast about how um, it's impressive to watch a guy want to take that punishment night in and night out. So I asked Ludor about it. I asked j about it. And j told me, you know, in, in sort of a, a J-Dub joking way of like, I'm glad that j does it so I don't have to. But I, and, he, and I don't think he was joking in the sense of like, it's not true. I think it is true. I think that taking a charge and doing that kind of work is something that guys don't want to do typically. It's like taking out the trash. Like you got to do it. You got to take out the trash, but no one wants to do it. So if you have a guy in your apartment complex or your roommate or your significant other or whatever who volunteers, hey, I'm going to take the trash out every single Sunday, every single Monday, every single Tuesday, I'm going to take the trash out. And takes that off of your back, like, that is huge. That, that is a huge bonus to you. And for Lou Dort, he told me that, you know, as a as a point of attack, you know, perimeter defender, I'm going to get beat sometimes. And whenever I get beat, to know that Jay was back there and willing to put his body in line to, to, to kind of make up for getting beat and, and to end the possession, like, that's huge. That, that's a huge boost to the team. It's also, of course, a huge energy play. Like, Jay will deserves a lot of credit for that, uh, even though um, I think he gets it on Twitter in the sense of, like, uh, it's exciting when it happens because, like, you're just, at this point, counting down the, or counting up how many charges he gets in a game. But, you know, still, the in the the, the nitty-gritty of, like, getting the charge deserves a lot of credit because that is, that is just tough punishment to take in the NBA. Uh, Usman Jang. I think his box score was the worst it's been in, in quite some time. Like I'd have to go back and look but like He's just the box score did not pop out the way it did against San Antonio. But I think that these minutes were still good for him. He had some really great activity, had some really nice cuts and even played some center minutes in this one, but he was just more involved in place. And so the shots didn't fall. The shots didn't go in the way they had been in the last couple of games, but the activity and the purpose of what he was doing on the floor was there. And sure. He had some, some mistake plays, as we mentioned, the J will pass, but like all in all, um, you're, you expect that from from a teenage lottery pick, like you expect that. But all in all, he played with a really good purpose and played with really good activity that you can build something around. MVP this game, I have to give it to SGA because of all the games to be an efficient thirty five point per game score. To do it this game against Brooklyn just means a lot to me. So I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to put SGA as MVP. Uh, next up, tomorrow's show, we're going to have a mailbag podcast. Leave your questions on Twitter or on YouTube at Ryland underscore Styles at Lockdown Thunder on YouTube. Friday, we're going to recap that Raptors contest as well. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball each and every day. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another.